Guess what I did this morning? <laughs> I did go to Starbucks, that's true. Somebody. I drove my car to church. You guys don't act very impressed. Why are you not impressed that I drove my car to church this morning? Maybe because I've been driving for 27 years, right? <laughs> like longer than half of you probably have even been alive, I've been driving a car. And so you're probably thinking, well, that's not very impressive, Torn. Like, cool, you drove your car to church. Like, you drive your car all over the place, right? And don't get me wrong, like, I'm thankful. I got a 2001 Volvo station wagon, swagger wagon, in case you're wondering. <laughs> all right. And I'm glad that it still starts up. When I tell it to and goes into gear with a slight clunk <laughs> every time and it gets me to where I need to go, but you're not super impressed that I drove my car because I've been driving for 27 years. But there was a time when I was not allowed to drive. 1990, this is what I look like. Oh, check that out. Woo! That's me right after I had turned 16. And on June the 13th of 1990, I got my license. Now, I can still remember because I got handed the keys, because I was the oldest in my family, to the sweet family car. Oh, my goodness, friends, she was a beauty. Candy Apple Red. 1982. Ford Escort Station Wagon. 43 years old, still rocking the station wagon, friends. I named her Wandula. And Wandula and I hit the open road from my house to the grocery store to pick up milk for my mom because that's basically the only time she let me ride, drive the car. But it was all good because... Me and Wandula were going somewhere together. You see, there was a time when I couldn't drive, and I remembered how awesome it was when I got that license. But now, 27 years later, I don't even think about the fact that I get in my car and I drive someplace, right? Because I'm just used to it. There is a quote you've probably all heard before, familiarity breeds contempt. Exactly, right? Now, now, I don't know if familiarity always breeds contempt, but I know that familiarity does not breed thankfulness. You see, we're thankful for new things usually, right? Like getting a new car, like I'm thankful for a new, I haven't experienced that, but one day I will get a new car and I will be, right? Anytime we get something new in our lives, we are thankful. But stuff that we've had for a long time, it's really easy to just kind of lose sight of, like, how cool it is. I mean, honestly, the fact that I get into a car that literally explodes hundreds of times a second, <laughs> and it takes me safely from point A to, like, that should still, like, blow my mind, okay? Like, I get to do that, and, and I get to actually drive a vehicle from here to there, but because I've been doing it for so long, I just kind of forget. And, and, and I think all of us can understand what it means when we say familiarity breeds contempt. And if it doesn't breed contempt, at least it certainly doesn't breed thankfulness. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open up to Acts chapter 10 this morning. Acts chapter 10. Now, we're going to read a story on which the entire fate 
of our salvation, our relationship with God rests. Now that might seem like a little bit of an overstatement, but I don't think that it is. Uh, You see, up until this point in the story of the church, it was believed that salvation came through Jesus to the Jews. Okay, Jesus even said that he had come for the Jews, but Jesus had been making it clear that he wasn't only coming for the Jews, God's chosen people, but he was coming for everyone. But the Jews who had become followers of Christ didn't fully understand this yet. It took them a little bit of time, and God actually had to kind of intervene in the story, which is what's about to happen in Acts chapter 10. If you've been a part of TLC for the last couple of months, you know we've been walking through the book of Acts. Acts is really just kind of the history of the early church. And it kind of explains how we get to be here today. Acts has 28 chapters. We actually get to be the 29th chapter. We are, as a church, the local church, Grand Rapids, TLC, we are the continuation of that story. Just like every other local church in our city and around our state and all throughout our nation and throughout our world is a continuation. We get to be the people who live the 29th chapter continues on. And here we are in Acts chapter 10, and something revolutionary is about to happen. In fact, it's so revolutionary that Luke not only explains the story by sharing it from Peter's perspective, but then he actually has Peter share the story again in the very next chapter. This story gets shared twice because it's massively important, shocking, quite honestly, to the readers and those who are there living it at the time. You see, because it's the story of how Gentiles, people who are not Jews, get salvation, are able to enter into the family of God. It's an understanding, finally, that we, through the death and resurrection of Christ, can now have our sins forgiven. We don't have to become Jews to be a part of the family of God. Now, because of Christ, we all have access. And this is a shocking story. Look with me in verse chapter uh, 9 of chapter, what did I say, verse chapter 9? Doesn't even make sense. Verse 9 of chapter 10 of Acts. It says, about noon the following day, as they, these are some men who are coming to visit Peter, were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Now, there's all kinds of animals within that that an observant Jew would know are unclean, impure. They cannot eat them, they cannot touch them, they cannot be near them, or they would become ceremonially un, uh, 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 unclean, and, and, and so this... Sheet gets let down with all these animals on it. Verse 13, then a voice told him, and we know that this is Jesus' voice, or at least we believe that this is Christ actually speaking to Peter. He says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. A little weird, right? (laughs) Like dude's hungry, goes up on the rooftop to pray, and all of a sudden he falls into a trance. Now, we don't know exactly what it means, okay? Uh, He seemed to be... uh, awake and alert to kind of know what was happening, but it's like a vision or or, or a dream, but something's happening, and it's very real. And and this sheet gets lowered down. It's got all these animals that he knows he's not supposed to touch. And not only does the voice tell him to to touch, it's just to kill and to eat, to ingest, to bring it into his body. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Can I get an amen for pulled pork sandwiches? Amen. (laughs) Verse 16 and bacon, yes. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Verse 19. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, that's another name for Peter, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Verse 23. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. So these would be Jews who have come along with Peter to go to Cornelius' house. This is the guy that we're going to learn about. He's the guy who sent these men. Cornelius is not a Jew. He's a Gentile. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter said to him, 
uh, excuse me, but Peter made him get up, stand up. He said, I'm, I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that this is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At, at three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, Peter says. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. Verse 40. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. <clears throat> While Peter was still speaking these words, check it, this is big. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, that is, the Jewish believers, okay, who had come with Peter, were astonished, shocked, jaws dropped to the floor, that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Gentiles who were not circumcised. Gentiles who were not ethnically Jewish. Gentiles who had not decided to become Jews, those that the Jews would have thought were impure and unclean, they're shocked because God has poured out his Holy Spirit on them because as they heard the message, they believed and accepted and God gave them the Holy Spirit. This is a shocking moment. Verse 46, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. You see, I often think that we view our salvation very similar to driving a car. Do I have any 16-year-olds in here right now? Nice. One, two. Very cool. Any other 16-year-olds? I got a couple. Three. All right, all right. Uh, how about 17 or 18-year-olds? Another? 17, 17, nice. Any 18-year-olds? All right, all right. So some of you have probably just recently gotten your license, right? All right, you've only had it for a couple of years. You've been driving around. Does it feel good? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, right, because you know what it was like to not be able to drive, and now you can drive, and it's like, woo, freedom! You see, you see, with our salvation, so often uh, we kind of forget what it was like. You see, for years and years, like, you had to do something to be able to get into the family of God. And, and now, after this event, it became clear to the fledgling young church that what Jesus had done in his death and resurrection wasn't just for the Jews, it was for everybody. And anybody could get it, anybody could have it if they were willing to put their faith in Christ. And it would mean, like, Restoration, redemption, forgiveness, like Jesus said that the evil one has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full. <clears throat> That's what he offers. I know because I've experienced it. If you're a guest here today, first of all, let me just say welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, if you're somebody that maybe you're like checking out this whole Christianity thing, cool. Glad that you're here. Like we're a safe space to ask real questions. And we try to be real and honest 
with what we know and what we don't know. All right, because I don't know everything. But here's what I do know. Jesus Christ changes lives. The reason I know that is because he's done it with me. I'm not the person that I would be without Jesus. And there's still an awful lot of stuff within me that is not what God wants. And he's slowly, gently, in his grace, chipping away at those pieces that are not like him, making me more and more into the image of Christ. That's what God wants for everybody. And the beautiful thing is that it's open and available to whoever will believe. That's what happens to the house of Cornelius on this day. And so then Peter comes and, and he says, well, these folks are Christians. Like, we should celebrate with a baptism. And that's exactly what they do. And that's what we have the privilege of being able to do today at TLC. You see, it's one thing for me to talk about the fact that Jesus has changed my life. He has. And hang out with me and I'd love to tell you more. I started thinking about all the different things that I'm grateful for with my salvation. Uh, because, you know, like I said, it's, if, if you've had something for a long time, like you can kind of forget to be grateful for it. You can forget how amazing it is. And so I started listing stuff out. <laughs> uh, I'm forgiven. I've got a relationship with God. I no longer have to pay for my sin. I can be guided by God. He speaks to me. I get to speak to him. He's made my life better. I know the source of my blessings. Uh, I'm going to live with him forever. I don't fear death. I love life. Uh, the creator of the universe calls me a son. I'm set free from sin. I know God has a plan, and I can trust him even when I don't understand it. I could go on and on and on. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, the apostle Paul uh, reminds us of this. It should be up on the screen behind you. I want to read it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions or in sins. It is by grace you have been saved. Verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that nobody can boast. It's not about how good I am. It's not about whether or not my good stuff outweighs my bad stuff. It's all about God's grace and my willingness to accept it by faith, he says, so that nobody can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Friends, the reason that we celebrate baptism is because it's an opportunity to be reminded of that sweet, beautiful, amazing gift of salvation that sets captives free, that brings wholeness to the broken. We get to remember again. Good stuff. And so this morning, we have the privilege of baptizing seven folks from TLC. Now, that's, that's good stuff. You can, Jerry, you can clear, that's good. But I also want to say this, okay? If the Spirit is moving today, and you sense that God is calling you to be obedient to baptism, if you've already given your life to Christ, okay, baptism does not save us. Baptism is simply an outward symbol of something that has already happened internally. It is an act of obedience, and it is an opportunity to experience the beautiful, powerful, mystical waters of baptism because of all that it symbolizes, okay? Baptism symbolizes, the water symbolizes, I should say, uh, the washing of our sin, okay? The water doesn't actually do anything. It gets you wet, but it doesn't, like, literally wash, but it symbolizes that. The reason that we baptize and bring people back into the water and then back up is because it symbolizes our dying to self, just as Christ died and went into the grave. And then it also symbolizes our rising back to new life in Christ. Baptism is a powerful symbol and something that God actually commands for those who are followers of his. And so if you're a Christian and you've never been baptized and the Spirit's saying something to you today... We actually have clothes available if you'd like to be baptized. We've got seven folks that are already ready to go. In fact, I'm going to start to invite them. If you guys want to start coming up on stage here, uh, they're going to share with you their stories of what God's done in their life. 
as an opportunity to give public proclamation because baptism is a public proclamation. It just says that I'm Christ's and Christ is mine. And I want the world to know that I follow him. That's what baptism is intended to do. And uh, if that's a public proclamation that you'd like to make today, um, I want you to find, where's Jordan? I want you to find Jordan uh, right as we dismiss and Jordan will walk through, just so you understand what, what happens in baptism. And we've got store, uh, clothes for you if you would also like to be baptized as well. Up first, Zach Ramirez is going to share his story. My name is Zachary Ramirez. The name Zachary or Zachariah means remembered by God. I didn't know how much power and meaning was in the roots of my name, until I recommitted my life to the Lord three years ago. My story and journey, like many others, has been strewn with highest of highs and lowest of places. Like many, my highs were always glorious God moments, where it was so easy to pray and praise the Lord for his good works in my life. To name a few, when I met my wife, when I got hired into GFS, when we bought our first house, and of course, when we found out that we were going to have our first child. These were all amazing, sweet memories that the Lord gave me. These are what I thought of as the Lord's good works. What I have come to realize, though, is that all moments and all things, the good, the bad, the traumatic, and the most glorious moments are all God's works. Mm. They're all from God. Three years ago, I recommitted my life to the Lord, before this, I had been wandering, searching for resolution within my own heart and mind. My life was a perpetual feedback loop of fear that Satan used to keep me afraid and from the life that the Lord had intended for me. I grew up in a church with an amazing family. My mother and father have servant hearts and are living examples of this. My younger siblings, all being adopted, were an amazing part of growing up, combining people from different color races, background, into one family. I also grew up with another family, the Niemeyers. This was my second home. I would spend summers with the Niemeyers and their five boys. Three weeks here, one week there. We would go on family vacations together. It was always joyful and added a bit of chaos, but I always considered myself the sixth Niemeyer boy. In the summer of 2009, when I was 18, Nathan Niemeyer, who I was closest to, passed away as the result of a car accident. My world and heart were crushed. For the years after, I was searching for answers, searching for a reason and asking why. I felt so abandoned by God. In turn, this created fear, fear of loss. Saint used fear in my life, and at times it was even immobilizing. Through all of my searching, I could sense and at times tangibly feel that the Lord was still with me. How crazy to think that when I was smoking a bowl or drinking with friends that God was still there. I knew that he was and I could feel it, but out of anger and fear, I would always deny it. A perfect time to meet my wife, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mother and father-in-law too. <laughs> so after about the second week, um, after meeting Jacqueline, I knew that I was going to marry her. The even crazier thing was that God was speaking the same thing to her. In the first three months or so of our relationship, Jacqueline walked me through releasing fear and claiming victory in areas of my life that Satan had taken control of. Now, for anyone who has been a part of Christian dating circles, most girls would have run, sprinted even, away from the sight of someone as messed up as me. But I'm so thankful that she chose me. And through choosing me, she was choosing to follow what the Lord had for her. Jacqueline's smile, her presence, and her intimacy with the Lord was something that I saw and I wanted. It is a love for the Lord that consumes her. And I wanted that freedom, and I chose to give my life back to the Lord. The song, No Longer Slaves, became an anthem for us, a song that I connected with in such a deep way. When I sing this song, there's something within my soul that cries out within me. The words, I am surrounded by the arms of a father. I am surrounded with songs of deliverance. 
We've been liberated from our bondage. We're the sons and the daughters. Let us sing our freedom. Surrounded by the arms of the Father, remembered by God. I am remembered and surrounded by God. But the story doesn't end there. My daughter Willow embodies joy. She has a smile very similar to her mother's that can light up any room and spread joy to anyone who can catch a glimpse of her. From the moment we found out that we were pregnant, I knew that we were going to have a girl. There was no doubt in my mind, and God even gave me dreams that we would have a daughter. So on September 2nd of 2016, we planned to have a gender reveal party, you know, just to make sure those dreams that God gave me were correct. But God had different plans for that day. Um, earlier in that day, I invited Jeffrey Niemeyer, a longtime friend and brother of my friend Nathan Niemeyer, who passed away, over to the house. We were going to work on our tile floor that day, and we had run to get supplies and tools before starting. On the way back from the hardware store, Jeffrey's mother called and asked us to go check in on Mike Niemeyer, Jeffrey's younger brother. He had recently come back from a rehabilitation program in Florida and was not answering calls that morning. We got to the house and found Micah downstairs, um, dead from an overdose. Um, within moments, my head was racing, my lungs and chest felt heavy. All of a sudden, this epidemic that we hear about on the news or on TV was real. It was touching my life. And the family whom I was close to had not only lost a son and a brother, but now two. In that moment, on that day, God still remembered me. He remembered us. He was with us. He mourned with me. He pushed in to the hurt with me. The day that was intended to be a celebration of new life during our gender reveal had unexpectedly turned into one of mourning and remembrance. Both my wife and I felt that we still had to fight for joy in that moment. For ourselves and for our little one, in the midst of the extreme sorrow, I could hear the Lord telling me, trust me, you're not alone. We stopped on the side of the road in a field on our way home from the Niemeyer's house. <laughs> we released the balloons intended for our gender reveal party. They were, of course, pink. <laughs> My daughter's name is Wilhelmina Abigail Ramirez. Wilhelmina means willing to protect, a, represent a representation of her warrior spirit. And her middle name, Abigail, means the father's joy. Both of these names were picked before we even knew her gender. And I'm constantly amazed that the Lord knew that in that moment, our sweet girl would represent and embody joy in a dark season of life. So the process of grief still isn't over for me. I'm currently working through grieving both Nathan and Micah. But I'm doing it with a freedom and an awareness of the Lord's love. I want anyone and everyone that I meet to know the Father's love for them. I know that this is something that gets tossed around and it can sometimes lose its true power, but I long for them to know the Father that remembers them even when they turn to drugs, alcohol, or sex. The Father that is with you and comes alongside you and speaks to you about the women you are going to marry. The Father that is steadfast and blesses us with dreams of our children before they are even in the womb. The Father that pours out his heart on us and mourns with us when we have a brother that passes. The Father that gives life and fights for life, even in death, and in the midst of loss, still has gifts of joy waiting for us. Mm. We just need to step into them and claim it as ours. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know this. I just, I feel the Lord just kind of asking me to sing this out because I kind of lose my mind when I sing this in that song. So I'm just going to sing this over you guys. I am surrounded 
My name is Ashley Bauman, and my parents chose to baptize me as a baby in hopes I would live a Christian life, a, um, a Christ-driven life, which I truly thank them for. I had a wonderful family, or I still do growing up, and <laughs> I cannot thank them for everything that they have taught me, and um, to just be a Christ follower. It was a wonderful Christian home. And I can't thank them enough for that. I, um, there is something missing in my life, however, and I did not fully understand what it meant to be a Christian. I didn't feel that personal connection with God and oftentimes felt frustrated as I did not directly hear the loud and clear voice of, what God, of God that I was expecting to hear. I always thought as a little kid growing up that I would actually hear like, this loud voice of God telling me exactly what to do, and I just was so frustrated because I didn't hear that. And I really noticed an empty feeling in my life when I was a senior in college, despite the fact that I had a wonderful family and supportive, a boyfriend, and many groups of great friends. I graduated Grand Valley State with a bachelor's degree in allied health sciences, yet I felt my life was going nowhere and I felt no real purpose. It was a during... It was during this time when I was trying to make the next career decision that I started questioning what I truly was living for. One night I opened the Bible and read Jeremiah 29:11, that reads, For I know I have the plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And for once in my life, I felt peace in knowing that God has complete control of my life and a plan for me in the future. It was at this point in my life, I really started to develop that personal relationship with God, to fully rely on him, and decided to completely, my, completely surrender my life to him. I began inviting him into my daily life and praying that he would mold my life around following his word. Additionally, that he would use me and my gifts and talents to serve him, and that he would show me what he has planned for my life. I began praying that whatever God had planned for me career-wise would be evident through open doors. I applied to a prestigious master's program where only 15 students in the nationwide are accepted. I truly felt nervous during this time and didn't know if I'd be accepted. I truly believe, I was accepted and I truly believe this was God's way of showing me what he wanted to do next in my life. Additionally, a few years later, my boyfriend at the time proposed and we contacted Torin, whom we had heard preach many of times at Ridge Point, but we never knew you personally. Um, and he invited us to help him start TLC. 
My life felt crazy busy at the time as I was entering my second year of my master's program and planning a wedding. Yet I continued to pray that, if, that God would show me what he had planned for, planned for me in my life. Both my fiancé and I felt extremely called to help be a part of the TLC launch team, which has truly been one of the de best decisions we have ever made. We've even joined an amazing small group through TLC, and that has seriously been life-changing. Not only have we met and connected with so many amazing people, but also we have faith. But also my faith has continued to grow tremendously. It has been an amazing ride, and the emptiness that I once felt in my life has been completely filled by Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I have never felt this way in my life before, as I have so much joy and happiness as I yearn for this daily presence in my life. I know every single sin of mine has been forgiven, and now I have a true purpose and direction for living my life. I want to thank my fiancé for taking this incredible leap of faith with me, my family, and my soon-to-be mother-in-law for being so supportive, Torn and Brenda as they have been amazing mentors, and our incredible small group for always being there to do life with. At that, I am here today to let you know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Amen. Ashley, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, believing in his death and resurrection for you? Yes. And Ashley, do you renounce Satan in the ways of this world to follow Christ and him alone? Yes. Amen, my sister. <laughs> Ashley, based upon your profession of faith, Sit down right there. <laughs> it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised with him to the Lord. Uh, my name's uh, Nick Heinrich. Um, I grew up believing in God, but never thought anything more than that. My family and I had a great relationship growing up, but we didn't really go to church that often, and I was never exposed to my faith in God. I always thought that doing the right thing every day would eventually lead me to heaven. I moved to the west side of Michigan when I was 18 years old, uh, continuing to believe that God was there, but never had a true relationship with him. A few buddies from my hockey team uh, eventually invited me to go to Ridgepoint Church in Zealand. Uh, as Ashley said, we... Uh, Saw a tour in there. Uh, when, uh, <laughs> I started to go once in a while and slowly grew in my faith, but still believing that doing the right thing every day would be enough. Never really gave my life to Christ. I eventually started to date Ashley through the church at the time, and I knew God was trying to tell me something. She was always someone who I looked up to, and her faith was undeniable. As we grew closer, we started to attend, attend church more often, and then eventually found the local church through Torn who will be conducting our wedding this August. Our first marriage counseling meeting, I uh, gave my life to Christ. I told my roommate at the time that this situation would change my life, and it definitely has. Through this journey with God and my faith, there have been talks with God, uh, good and difficult, but my life has changed for the better, and I know that. I continue to grow in my faith with God and Ashley and the people that surround me, and I now realize that with and through God is the only way that I should live my life. Mm, amen, bro. Nicholas, yeah. <laughs> have you asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, believing in his death and resurrection on your behalf? Yes. Amen. Nick, have you renounced Satan in the ways of this world to follow Christ and him alone? Yes. Amen, my brother. Grab a seat. Nicholas, based upon your professional faith, it is my privilege, my brother, to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death. Raised with him. Hi, my name is Hannah Livermore, and I like to call myself, as Emily puts it, a baby Christian. I publicly expressed my desire to know God during our church service on Easter this year, and I made the commitment to follow God on May 11th. For over 31 years, I lived my life believing that there is a God, but feeling very confused about my faith and my religion. I've grown up knowing that I'm Jewish, 
but until recently, I thought being Jewish only defined my religion. It wasn't until this past year that I learned that it's part of my heritage and part of my DNA. Recently, I would have described myself as a good person, kind and caring, and I've always had a strong intuition to do the right thing, but there was just always something that felt like it was missing. I felt restless, fidgety, and antsy. Always had to be on the go, always having to be doing. It was as if I was trying to fill a void, and just sitting with myself with nothing but my thoughts was a dangerous thing. My life was driven by attempting to please others, fearful of others' thoughts and opinions. This sometimes resulted in me making poor decisions. I occasionally found myself doing or saying certain things to impress those around me, often feeling disappointed in myself and my decisions. I feared rejection and ridicule from my peers. Luckily, this never got me into too much trouble, but it was a constant trend. One major battle I faced was when I ran in the 2013 Boston Marathon, the year of the bombing. This left me struggling with significantly increased anxiety and PTSD symptoms over the last four years. After this trauma, it was as if a dark cl cloud came into my life and surrounded me. During the last four years since Boston, I had been overtaken by a constant feeling of weakness and defeat. I tried everything I could to try to fix myself and undo this trauma. I tried therapy, medication. I tried quitting running. I tried running more. I ran in races. I avoid racing. I returned to Boston several times and so on. It wasn't until recently, after accepting Jesus into my life, that I realized there was one vital thing I've been missing a relationship with God and faith in his abilities to heal me. Mm. Aside from my PTSD, I've struggled with the need to be in control. Lately, I've had so much more trust that God has a handle on everything, even if I don't see what his plan is. This attitude has granted me more patience and understanding with myself and others. I feel less critical, less judgmental, and more positive. My connections with people have since grown much stronger. I have become more genuine, and this mindset has allowed me to be more raw and fully authentic. I can share more deeply and give myself permission to be more vulnerable. It's been just over two months since I've committed my life to God. I've begun praying daily, reading the Bible, participating in small group, and attending church weekly. Has my trauma since been healed? No. Do I still struggle with overwhelming anxiety? Yes, but for the first time ever, my feeling weak is no longer as debilitating, for I have learned that God's power is made perfect in my weakness Amen. through 2 Corinthians 12.9. Now I can remind myself to welcome weakness with open arms, and I no longer have to fight it. There is actually a slight sense of peace in the midst of it. I would currently describe my faith and my relationship with God as an indescribable energy, a reassuring, confident hand resting on my shoulder to calm me and guide me. This newfound relationship helps reduce my fears as I faithfully follow. At times, I find myself calm, content, and observing during situations that would have made me really anxious in the past. It's like a breath of fresh air, a sigh of relief, and a smile in my heart. I recently auditioned for the worship team, which in the past would have created so much fear and worry. Instead, the feelings that consumed me were readiness and confidence, readiness to sing for God, confident not in my singing abilities, but that God would do his work through me. It was no longer about whether or not I was a good singer, but about worshiping and praising God. As a symbol of my commitment to God and to stand witness for what he has done in my life, I am choosing to be baptized today. This is my outward expression of a personal acceptance of Jesus and a lifelong commitment to follow. Amen. Dan and my sister, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, believing in his death and resurrection on your behalf? Yes. And have you renounced Satan and the ways of this world and follow Christ and him alone? Yes. Amen. My sister, you may have a seat. Hannah, based upon your profession of faith, it is my privilege, my sister, to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with his death.
Um, so my name is Tom Livermore. Um, life before finding Christ was really an empty struggle. I continue to make choices based off of so, like societal expectations, personal gain, satisfaction, um, and personal image. Not only did I uh, find myself unhappy, but my life was filled with jealousy, a lot of hatred, and anger. Um, I had been living, I really had been living a fear-driven lifestyle that made me determined to act bigger and better than I actually was. I felt a need to act a particular way to hide my personal insecurities. My personal resume was impressive, but my internal dialogue was absolutely horrible. I became anxious and depressed. I acted aggressive towards others to protect my true feelings that I had inside. I felt an immense amount of pressure to excel in athletics, academia, my professional life, um, and I had something that I was needing to prove. I reached for a lot of stimulants and a lot of depressants to, uh, to relieve myself of the reality um, to later have to focus and to face more of those consequences of my actions. It became a daily struggle and to, it was a slow downward spiral of depression and a feeling of self-worthlessness. I finally reached out to God. I mean, I had nowhere else to go. Um, I went to church. Um, it was that day there was a new series starting and it was called Rebuilding Life. This series radically changed the direction of my life. It was like God had created this series for me. I found myself to be completely overwhelmed, filled with emotions and could barely breathe. I took responsibility for my actions. I asked God to enter the mess of my life, which wasn't my idea. It was totally the pastor's idea but I did it. Um, you know, God has done nothing, nothing short but saved my life. He's changed my mental attitude, the way I approach people, um, my anger, my hatred. A lot of these things that I've carried with me for so long has now become an acceptance and more of a responsibility to accept people for who they are, to love each other. And I always had the support of my wife. That's not in my notes, but it's true. I love you so much. Um, it's been such a humbling experience that I, like, I'll never, never forget this journey. Um, I wish I could wash myself from the past, but I now understand that I need my past to remind, me of, remind myself of what life was like walking without a God, my God. This is the opportunity for me to state my commitment to God and accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, who died on the cross for my sins. And this, this is my commitment to follow Jesus Christ and to live a life with purpose and grace. Amen. Tom, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, believing in his death and resurrection on your behalf? Yeah. And Tom, do you renounce Satan and the ways of this world to follow Christ and him alone? Yeah. Amen, my brother. <laughs> Tom, grab a seat. Tom, based upon your profession of faith, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with me is death. Raised with me is life. My name is Steve, and I'd like to share a brief glimpse of God's continued faithfulness in my life. Uh, my story begins with strong Christian family, wonderful Christian parents that raised me to love and pursue the Lord. During a service at Calvary Church, I took the first step of faithfulness and asked the Lord into the humble, asked the Lord into my life at a humble age of seven. Outside of playing too many video games, the Lord had little to save me from. And to be honest, my mom probably wishes he did a better job. In all, <laughs> in all seriousness, in the past 20 years, the Lord has guided my path and poured out continued blessing into my life. My parents blessed me with a Christian education from kindergarten through college. In conjunction with attending Calvary, my Christian foundation was set, grown, and nurtured. I could quote scripture, sing all the songs and hymns, recall Bible stories. However, I found myself settling into what was comfortable instead of what the Lord was calling me to. Torn could attest, for those who don't know, Torn was a youth pastor at Calvary. 
that I was an active participant in youth group. Um, I struggled with stepping out of my comfort zone, trying new things, and that was true throughout my entire life. Um, and to be honest with you, it's something I struggle with today. Um, even before this, I had tremendous anxiety. One, because I hate public speaking. Two, because it's something new. Um, <laughs> and and I, str- I, I skipped some parts in here. Oh, and I, so I struggled with stepping out of my comfort zone and trying new things. Just ask my parents about uh, my first few football practice. It was not pretty. There were Plenty of tears, yelling occurred before and after practice for those first few practices, mostly because it was all running. Like, that's not football. Football is like hitting each other. And (laughs) I did not find that in the first three practices. So I like to blame my reluctance on an an introverted and timid personality. But as I got older, I realized it was largely due to my lack of courage to take the next step. There were small steps here and there, but TLC, this church, was a big step of faith. Emily and I had talked about finding a new church once we were married, but to be honest, I was comfortable at Calvary. And that comfortableness blinded me from the beauty the Lord longed for me to experience. We had the privilege of joining the launch team, and we faithfully helped lay the foundation of TLC. I love to say I was fully on board from the start and that I was totally comfortable with leaving Calvary, but I resisted until our launch day this past Easter. That launch day was a game changer. You could feel the energy, and it was in that moment I realized TLC was home. Since the day, my eyes were open to the beauty of the Lord was laying before me, and the Lord has been pouring blessing into M and I's lives. We both fell in love with TLC, where we faithfully serve. We're part of an amazing small group. We've made some wonderful new friendships, and the Lord has blessed our marriage through deeper love and understanding. To wrap this up, I'd like to share a brief glimpse into how God's, how the Lord has been present throughout my life, and why I'm excited for the chapters to come. For those that don't know me, I ended up really loving football, um, playing it at Hope College, where I happened to run into this beautiful student athletic trainer on the sidelines who only knew me by my jersey number. But she knows my name now, and I have the honor of calling my wife. Only God could have weaved such a beautiful story and known that my parents forcing me to play 20 years ago would have set me on a path that would lead to M, TLC, and this baptism. Today, I'd like to publicly declare my faith and my desire to faithfully continue to take the next step. Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, submit to him, and you'll make your path straight. Mm.
Up until a few months ago, I didn't quite believe that was the moment when I became a Christian because I remember thinking, but I don't feel any different right afterward. What I now see is that even though I didn't feel it, I was different. And she helped me open a door for God to begin working in my life. In a Bible Sophie gave me that night, she wrote a story about little girls who do ballet. In the story, she talked about how young dancers are never skilled ballerinas, but their dads get so much joy out of watching them anyway. The story was a metaphor for God just wanting us to dance and loving us regardless of our skill. It was as though she knew ahead of time the struggle I would face after having accepted God into my life. In the next years, I was still uncertain as I began to pray and attend church occasionally. It felt awkward to be truthful. I was so used to setting my mind to something and then working hard to be good at it, but it just wasn't the case with this. Past sins and feelings of inadequacy made it feel as though I wasn't good enough for God, but in his patience and persistence, he kept pulling me back for more. Through plans of his own, he placed so many people in my life, including my husband, number 50. <laughs> who kept me plugging along the journey. I was also able to witness how he began working in the lives of my parents and renewed their relationship with Christ as well. He brought me to several different churches, each of which helped me grow in a different way, and the first of which was led by Torrent. Slowly, my life has been filled in a way it had never been before. What God was trying to teach me, and is still teaching me day after day, is that I am enough. Not only will he find me wherever I am, but he wants me just as I am, imperfect and a work in progress, but always enough. Ironically, after writing this out, I cried to Steve that my testimony wasn't good enough and that it didn't glorify God as much as I wanted it to. <laughs> How faithful is our God that he'll teach us the same lesson as many times as we need to learn it. Amen. Amen. In Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift from God. I am so grateful for the countless ways that God has blessed my life, and I'm overjoyed to publicly proclaim my acceptance of the ultimate gift he offers to all of us. Emily, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, believing in his death and resurrection on your behalf? Yes. Amen. Uh, do you renounce Satan and the ways of this world to follow Christ and him alone? Yes. Amen, my sister. I know. <laughs> Emily, my sister, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised with him in his life. This is Tanae. Yeah. 
It's a little chilly, huh? <laughs> Today, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, believing in His death and resurrection on your behalf? And today, do you renounce Satan and the ways of this world to follow Christ and Him alone? Amen, my sister. Today, you can have a seat. Today, based upon your profession of faith, it is my privilege, my sister, to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with me is death. 